Good morning, church. It's great to see all of you today on a sunny, hot day. It's nice and cool in here. You know, in this summer, we do book series in the month of August, and you can see it up on the screen. It's called Just Give Me Jesus by Anne Graham Lotz, and it is just a such a great book, so I'm excited to share some of the contents of the book with you today. You know, this is one of Anne Graham Lott's most famous books. She has written a lot of books, but this was the number one seller. More people bought this book than any of her other ones. So it focuses on the Gospel of John and the life of Jesus on this earth when he was here on the earth. It explains to us how the Father gives us Jesus. He gave us Jesus to make changes in our life. Without him, we can't change anything. We can try, but it doesn't work. We all need Jesus. And those changes and what he does is forgive our sins. It brings happiness when we have Jesus. It brings joy. It also helps us understand when we go through hard times. Suffering in our life is understandable when we have Jesus on our side. Three years after the death of Anne's husband, he died in 2015. 2018, her father died, evangelist, Billy Graham, he's known all over the world. In fact, he has spoken in Germany many, many times near the Brandenburg Gate years ago. And he is one of the world's best evangelists, I think. But that was her father. And he died in 2018. Six months later, after his death, she received a diagnosis of breast cancer. And I always followed her stories, and I like to hear her preach and teach. She's just a great Bible teacher. And I followed her story in 2018 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And little did I know, two years later, in the fall of 2020, that I had breast cancer. So watching her faith and what she went through helped me to understand that all I needed was Jesus during that time. That was all that I need because Jesus is given to us. He brings healing. He brings peace into our lives. And as believers, we know when we put our faith and trust in God, everything is going to be okay. I want to encourage you to go back and read the Gospel of John, read the entire book, and then get on Amazon and purchase this, because this, is, this book is going to help you understand what you read in the Gospel of John, and you're going to be able to go through it chapter by chapter. This book gives a lot of details, a lot of personal stories to help you understand exactly what John was talking about when he wrote the Gospel of John. So I want to encourage you to do that because your life will never be the same. And she just goes through it with all these personal stories, and I'm going to share a few with you today from the book. She began, this book was actually published in 2000, 
So it's an older book. It's 22 years old now. And she begins her book by saying, when she started to write this book in 1998, two years before it was published, it took her two years to write it, she was saying her life was filled with a lot of pressure. She had a lot of things happening. There was a lot of troubles that were going on as she was starting to write this book. Now listen to what she says. My husband's dental office that he worked in for 30 years burned to the ground. Three children, her three children, were getting married in eight months, in a period of eight months, three weddings. And the one son was diagnosed with cancer. And I had to provide physical care to my elderly mother, Ruth Graham. Plus, I was doing international and USA speaking engagements that I had to fulfill, and I wanted to fulfill. My duties and responsibilities at times seem overwhelming, but I did not want a vacation. I did not want to quit. I did not want people to feel sorry for me and say, oh, you're having such a hard time. I don't even want money. I don't want recognition. I don't even want a miracle and I don't want to escape. All I need is just give me Jesus. And that's what she said. And the cry of her heart was just give me Jesus. As she was writing this book, she continued to question God, why do we need another book about Jesus? There are so many books out there. Why do we need another book? And we have the Bible. The Bible tells us all about Jesus. Why do you want me to write a book about Jesus when I have so many other things I'm dealing with? And she says in the book, I am writing this book so that you will know what Jesus does for us. I wrote this book during the time of my life when so much was happening because it is so important for people to understand what Jesus says about himself, the promises he gives us, and how he helps us through the good times and the difficult times. He is always there. Amen. She goes on to tell us in the, in the introduction, the beginning of the book, that the Apostle Paul, um, John, I have Paul on my mind because I've been reading Corinthians, but the John, as he wrote the Gospel of John, was an eyewitness at that time. He witnessed everything that Jesus did. He was there. He wrote an account. He was an older man at that time, and his passion for Jesus burned so strong. He said, I do not want to burn out. I want to burn on and on and on. You know, we hear that term so often, I'm burned out. I'm so tired. You know, I know many of you have heard that. Some of us have even said that. But John said, I want to burn on and on and on. 
John's desire was that today we may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that believing that, you will have eternal life and live and reign with him forevermore. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was physically removed from this earth, he was taken up on Ascension Day. He was removed from the earth. People all over the world, even today, 2,000 years later, have said, Jesus saved me from suicide. Jesus healed me. He took away that cancer. He's helped me go through those treatments. He has given me hope. He's pulled me out of depression. Jesus gave me hope for my future. People have said that all over the world 2,000 years since Jesus left this earth. People today continue to forsake personal gain. They have given up good jobs, lots of money in order to go and take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations of people because they are burning with that desire to make sure everyone knows that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I want to tell you one other part that she shares here and says that each of us, each one of us, it takes each of us, not just a few people, but all of us to put a hole in the darkness on this earth. You know, there is a lot of darkness all around us, each and every day, wherever we go. But our job is to turn on that light, share what Jesus means to you, share his love to others, and give them a word. You know, we don't have to go out there and preach at them. We just have to show them love and give them a good word, what God has done for you in a situation that, you, that happened in your life. When you do that, you are turning on your light. You are putting a hole in the darkness on this earth. You see, we turn on the light. The Gospel of John tells us, turn on your light. A living faith in God that is passed down from generation to generation. You see, my mom and dad, they found the Lord when they were in their 20s. And they burned and burned for the Lord until they died. But they passed that faith on to me. I passed that faith on to my children. Now my children are passing that faith on to their children, my grandchildren. From generation to generation, we are passing on that light and that faith that we have in Jesus by telling the stories and seeing what he does in the lives of all people. You see, not everybody is attracted to the light. Many people do not like the light that shines on us, but we keep shining for him.
we keep shining for Him. Ordinary men and women, faithfully lift up that light. Faithfully tell the generations from generation to generation what Jesus does for them. Now, as I said, this book goes through the Gospel of John chapter by chapter with many stories and personal experiences that Anne has lived through. And she explains, and I just love this one in chapter 1, which is the Gospel of John chapter 1. This is what she explains, that many of us have a screen door relationship with Jesus. Now, if you know what a screen door is, some of us have some screened windows. You know, you can buy these screens at Rossman and those places where you put on your window to keep out the bugs coming in to your bedroom. Well, in the United States, a lot of us have screen doors, and they lock. And Anne explains that we... Jesus comes to our screen door, and he is standing at that screen door looking in. We talk to him because you can talk through the screen door. You can see through the screen door. And air comes in through the screen door. So we talk to him. We talk to Jesus. Many of us just talk to Jesus in prayer, especially when we have a rough time coming. We'll, you know, quickly pray to Jesus we talk to him. Sometimes we even open the word of God and we might read something. And we love it that Jesus is standing at that screen door on the outside looking in. It makes us feel, oh, that's nice. He's standing there at the screen door looking in. I feel safe that he's standing there. But we never, this is what she said, his presence is there, but we do not allow him to come in. We don't open that door, that screen door, and say, come in, Jesus. Sit down with us. Be in our home. Be the center of our home. Have a meal with us. Sit and abide with us. We just want him there at that door, but we never invite him in. And John tells us, all we have to do is open that screen door and believe that he is the Son of God. Invite him. Invite Jesus to come into your home and sit with you. The qualifications of John, he tells us, gives us membership into God's family. When we open that screen door and allow him to come in, we are children of God. We will be with him forevermore when we open that door. Now, in closing, I'm going to go to the very end of the book now, and I want to read a story to you that she shares at the end of the book because this, this story just had so much impact on me as I read through it, and I want to share this final story with you because I think you're going to really love this story. So listen closely, okay? I'm going to read it to you. There was a young boy living on the streets in the slums of London. Jeffrey was his name. This is a true story. 
He heard on the streets that a fiery American evangelist, D.L. Moody, would preach in the evening service on the other side of the city, and he wanted to hear him. On the day of the meeting, Jeffrey set out on foot to find this church. Along his way, he helped himself to an apple from a street cart, escaping the angry cart owner. Finally, as the sun was beginning to set, he looked up and saw his destination. The church was on a hill with beautiful stained glass windows reflecting the setting sun. It almost looked like heaven to the young boy. He could hear the voices singing and the loud organ playing, reaching out to the street. Yet his little heart awakened a longing that felt like homesickness. Jeffrey did not hesitate, and he ran up the long, sweeping staircase that led to the huge wooden door. And just as he was about to enter the door, a big hand descended out of nowhere and grabbed him by the shoulder and spun him around and said to him, Just where do you think you are going, laddie? Laddie is a young boy in British. The young boy said, I heard, I heard, Dr. Moody is preaching here tonight, and I walked all across London to hear him. The man looked down at the homeless boy with unkept hair, unwashed face, and unclean clothes, and holes in his shoes, and he smelled. And he said to the boy, you are too dirty to go inside this church. And the man blocked the entrance to the door. Jeffrey walked back down the stairs, thinking maybe I could get in through the back door. And he ran behind the building looking for that back door. It was locked. Then he looked up at the beautiful church. He thought, maybe I can get in through a window. But it was just too high. He could not climb up through a window. The young boy went back to the front of the church. He was so discouraged, he sat on the church step, thinking, what can I do? I walked all day. They won't let me in because I'm too dirty. Suddenly, 
A black carriage pulled up in front of the church. A very distinguished-looking gentleman in a top coat and hat climbed out with a walking cane. And he noticed Jeffrey sitting on the bottom step. The man noticed the young boy's tears on his cheeks. And he stopped and he said to the young boy, What is wrong? At first, Jeffrey said nothing. And then Jeffrey blurted out, I came here, I came here from the other side of London to hear D.L. Moody preach tonight. The man at the door said, I'm too dirty to go inside. I'm too stinky. I have holes in my shoes. The man reached down and extended his hand to the homeless boy. Here, take my hand, the man offered. Slowly he lifted up his grimy, little, stinky, dirty hand and placed it in that of the stranger. And the stranger invited him to come inside the church with him. Hand in hand, they walked up to the top of the long staircase. When they came to the large wooden door, the same doorman was standing there. And Jeffrey walked right in, holding tightly, holding tightly the man's hand. They walked right down the center aisle. Every eye in the church was watching this. He was allowed in the church because he was holding the hand of D.L. Moody. And Anne closes out that chapter of the book and says, this is how it is for us. We are all dirty. We are all sinners each and every one of us. But when Jesus opens his hand at that screen door to us, we hold on to it tightly, and we will walk hand in hand with Jesus through the remainder of our life on this earth. And the doors of heaven will open wide for us to enter. We will be welcomed and accepted on that day because we held the hand of Jesus and we had faith to believe that he is the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Anne encourages each of us, don't be that closet Christian. Don't hide away. Come out. Shine your light. Join the people that are unashamed of Jesus. Don't be afraid to shine your light for him and hold his hand tightly as you go through this life with him. In closing today, there was a song that was written that goes with this book. It's called Just Give Me Jesus. Give Me Jesus. That's what it's called. It was written for her for this book. 
And it's an, it's an older song, but it has such wonderful meaning. And I want to play this song because I want you to sit there and I want you to meditate on what I said in the story that you heard. Everyone is welcomed into the kingdom of God, no matter what we did, because we are all sinners. Everyone is welcomed into his family and to hold his hand tightly. I want to encourage you today, if you do not know Jesus, at the end of this song, I want you to come up here. I'm going to be sitting up here. I want you to come. Do not leave this place without Jesus in your life. I want to pray with you, together with you this morning. And I want you to come forward. I want to give you also, I have a Bible for you to get started to read the Gospel of John. And I want to give this to you. So come up to the front at the end of this song. And you are also free to just sit there for a minute at the end and reflect on it. And then you are free to leave. But please... Please do not leave this building today without Jesus in your life. This is the day, a new start for you and for your life and holding on to Jesus. Amen. Amen.